after I posted the first podcast, someone texted me, a friend of mine, and she asked me if I would talk about the scandal that's going on in the church right now, which, you know, (laughs) I'm really not qualified to do that. I'm just going to be honest with you. When she asked me, I was like, I don't even know, like, (laughs) if I'm being honest. So I work for the church. It's hard right now. It's hard to trust, I would say. When she asked me this, I was thinking to myself, you know, what I originally wanted to do for my second episode was just kind of share a little bit about me and my testimony and um, just what the Lord has done in my life. And I initially kind of scrapped that idea to talk about how I felt about the scandal. And then I think what I've come to, I have no, (laughs) like, I feel kind of powerless, right? And even in that, there's always an opportunity of hope, right? Even when you feel kind of powerless because because of the Lord. Yeah, I guess what I think should be, you know, so she asked me, like, what, what do I think young adults can do? And I don't have the answer to that question. Um, I don't really have an answer, you know, because part of me just keeping it 100 um, because my job is in the church and it's very much kind of at the front lines of of this in communicating um, you know responses and statements and all that all uh, all of that Um, I don't want to say that I compartmentalized it but it's you do have to kind of just do your job, right? And and I know that sounds bad, but you do. Like, you, you have to put one front of, foot in front of the other and do your job. And then when I get home, what I want to do is not think more about the scandal, right? And that's because it's hard. It's hard, to, it's hard to think about. It's hard to talk about. Um... But I think one of the biggest things is for us, the people who, well, us, I don't know, for me, someone who has encountered the Lord and um, who really believes in the goodness of the church, right? Even, Even if the people in the hierarchy are being stupid, right? Or, you know, or doing real evil. I mean, it's not just being stupid, it's doing evil, Part of our job as the laity, or my my job, is to continue to witness to the goodness of the church and and the goodness of of Christ in His church, because a lot of people want to leave the church and or they they are thinking about it and I think we should be able to acknowledge what's wrong, and acknowledge like the things that like, wow, this is a real evil that is happening, and, and people need to be held responsible, and, you know, I am totally on board with, like, let's, um, 
you know, let's get, let's, let's just, just to read a little bit of God's justice up in here, you know what I'm saying? However, I unfortunately can't distribute God's justice to Archbishop McCarrick. Like, I would love to, um, <laughs> but that's not, it's not my job, honestly, and it's not my place. Maybe it would be, maybe it secretly is. Maybe God is saving it for me. And, like, I'll see him walking down the street one day and I'll be able to be like, ooh, a little bit of God's justice is about to come out right now. However, I don't think that that's ever going to happen. So, my job, um, what I really believe is, is, yeah, to continue to witness to the goodness of the church and, and to say that we're called to holiness, right? So, that's number one, is I need to continue to be holier. And then two, I need to be able to, to show that God in his goodness can bring healing through his church, right? Because the only place we find true healing is, is in the Eucharist and the sacraments and in, in a relationship with the Lord through scripture and prayer and, um, and like I said, the sacraments. And so I, and, and that's been really true in my life. So I think just like, what I wanted to do for this this one was to witness to the goodness of the church and just I've been so blessed that to have encountered the Lord very concretely through his church right so like the church in and of itself the structure of it um I that's where I really encountered the Lord and yeah so I think I'm just like it's a good witness like my life is a good witness to the goodness of the church it's hard for me to know where to start with my testimony because it's just you know it's just it's my testimony <laughs> and it and it's kind of an ongoing thing you know like you never really stop um being converted and encountering Jesus but I think when I talk about the time like high school into college um that's the time in my life where I think the church really helped me. And so I think I'm just going to start there. So like I grew up, um, very well catechized and we converted when I was five years old. And I remember my baptism, which I think is such a cool thing to be able to remember, to be able to remember that moment. Um, because we had been a kind of Baptist before that, you know, like you get baptized until you were older and I really have no memories of my, of living, of being not Catholic, right? And I, I really was a, a cradle Catholic in my mind. And like, so yeah, we grew up in very traditional uh, Catholic home. I was homeschooled for a lot of my life. Um, and have, I have eight brothers and one sister. So like big Catholic family. The faith was very central to our life, you know, and um, I would say when I was in, when I was in high school, uh, maybe around like 14, 15, I kind of started to wonder about why I believed what I believed, and part of it was because I was um, preparing for confirmation, and a lot of the kids in my confirmation class just didn't have any clue anything about the church and like I felt like I had a lot of knowledge about it because because I was well catechized when I was growing up and and like I said the the faith was very central 
So there's that, but yeah, I started to just kind of wonder why, why things were the way that they were. And so I think two things, the two things that were really big for me was uh, my brother and my now sister-in-law who uh, are a couple years older than me, like four years older than me, and they were very involved in their faith and they really loved it and um and they witnessed very well to me like just by living that um you know the faith was at the center of their life and uh they would take me to mass and adoration and you know really just would answer questions and would teach teach me and just yeah like I said just witness to um to the to the faith being at the center of their life and that being a good, you know. Um, and then also I started to, like, read and listen to Matthew Kelly. And for me, that was really big because he is so practical. And for me, it was very much a, a practical thing for me, the faith. It was very, like, um, I know that this is the truth and I know that this is the right thing and I need to know how to live it out the right way. And um, I really feel like Matthew Kelly's approach helped me, helped me to kind of encounter the Lord in, in the practical. Um, and I just want to, I want to touch on confirmation. I really do believe that at confirmation I received all, right, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and, and those really, um, I think those kicks started a lot of things for me and, and I, like I said, I'm really grateful about that. In my senior year of high school, I started going to Life Teen at my parish. And I was in Life Teen for like six months before I graduated. And those six months like changed my life forever. And I really, so the things that were so important to me was one, um, I learned how to pray and how to like talk to God in conversation rather than in in like the rote way, you know, it rather in uh so we started to kind of just have this conversational prayer with the Lord and we were exposed to adoration a lot there. That was really great. And then the other thing was I witnessed these very strong Catholic women living out their faith and loving it you know like and just they were vibrant and alive and happy and you know joyful and and they just really loved the lord and and the thing was is that they weren't what i had kind of been taught growing up what a woman was supposed to be you know and so like my youth minister who was amazing she was she had a kid, but she was also working full time. And uh, there's another woman who is a therapist, and there's another woman who was a stay at home mom, but she was, you know, like obviously helping out with Life Teen, and she just was a very powerful woman. Like, like just her presence was very powerful, and seeing these women who were living out their faith in this way that was so empowered you know and just like like very much in love with Jesus 
and very much just like who they were supposed to be, you know, and being exposed to that was so important for me. And I really look back on that as very like a formative way of showing me that like holiness is possible and it's but it's possible for who you are instead of like I kind of always thought that like to be holy I was gonna have to be something that I wasn't and um to witness these these women uh being really holy and joyful and like I said in love with the Lord and just like really living out their vocation whatever way it was, was very powerful for me and very important. And so, um, and I've kept in touch with all of, all of these women (laughs) who, um, really made an impact on me. I'm sure you'll probably hear at least one or two of them in the future. And then so after I graduated, I went to a Steubenville Youth Conference. And when I went to that youth conference, like I'm not a, (laughs) I would say back then, I would say that I wasn't overly emotional. And part of that was because um, I really have had a negative view of my emotions, right? And so I was very, very controlled and very, uh, or, like, I tried to just, like, keep myself subdued, I guess would be the best way, and so this over-emotionalism of a Steubenville Youth Conference, which if you've been, like, you know it's, like, a lot of emotions going on, and I'm, like, it's really the grace of God that, that that didn't, like, completely turn me off, you know, But, like, part of me just knew that something big was going to happen at this, at this youth conference. And when I went, um, I really don't remember, I know I went to confession, but, like, besides that, I really don't remember any of the talks that I heard. I don't remember any of the, like, I don't really remember the masses. I don't remember, yeah, there's just, like, not a lot that I remember. But I remember this one moment, and um, on Saturday night, so it's, like, a weekend conference, so on Saturday night, they do this big night of adoration, and, um, they process through the whole, it's, like, in this field house, so they process through the whole field house with, with the monstrance and with Jesus, and there's, you know, just, like, really beautiful music, and, yeah, there's, there's beautiful music, but there's also time for silence, there's a little bit of preaching, you know, just, like, really good, and then, you know, the big thing is that they process around, and, I remember when they um, passed by, when the priest passed by with the monstrance, and I looked at it, and I was like, that, th- that is Jesus, right? And um, I gotta turn off this, these notifications on this, because, oh no. Anyway, um, yeah, so... How do I turn? Okay. All right. This is enough of that. That's enough of that. Um, maybe if I do that. Um, so, yeah, so the, the monsters passed by, and I was like, that, that is Jesus. Like, 
that's him. And it was like, he was like so real to me in that moment that I was like, I want to give my life to this, to this man, right? Like I want to follow him and because he is who he says he is, right? And it wasn't like, I think it was just like this moment of realization, like Jesus is who he says he is, you know, and, um, he's not a fraud. He's not a fake. He's not something I need to be afraid of. Like he just is who he says he is. And, uh, that made me want to follow him. And the other really, I think, significant thing that happened that I should definitely, uh, mention <laughs> because of the name of my like portfolio. All right, my dude, I'm sorry. The pot, the, I gotta figure out how to turn off the notifications on this thing because this is so obnoxious. Um, let me just, if I turn off, no, because if I turn off the, the like sound on it, I won't be able to hear myself. Siri, turn off notifications. Sure, do that. Great. Um, all right, I think I, I think I got it. Um, the other significant thing that happened was that before they processed around, I think it was during the the quiet time. I remember just. I was really scared about, you know, what was going to happen in the future and what, what my life held. And I just knew that there were things that were going to have to happen that were going to be really hard. And I remember praying and the first kind of like saint that came to my mind was St. Maximilian Colby. And I, I was like, St. Maximilian, I want to be like, can you help me be courageous? Like you were courageous. Can you, can you give me, can you help me be brave? And that was kind of, I feel like, when I kind of adopted him as my patron was because he really, since then, I think, has come through in that regard. And so these two really significant things happened that, that weekend. And after that, I started to go to Mass a lot more, like daily Mass. And I started to go to Adoration. And one of the things that happened when the monsters passed by is my heart like stirred and my heart hadn't really stirred for anything in a really long time so like when that happened that was part of the reason that I knew it was the Lord because my heart was just moved by something and my heart hadn't been moved by anything in a really long time like I said and and then after that, every time the monster or the host would be elevated during mass, that same stirring would happen in my heart. And it made me want to go to mass and it made me want to go to adoration. And so I started doing these things. And then, you know, there were things that I struggled with. And when I was struggling, I would always go to the adoration chapel at the, at the parish that we lived close to, which had a 24 hour adoration chapel. Like, thank you, Jesus. And so I would go there um, when I just, like, didn't know what to do, didn't know, like, where I was supposed to be, and I would just sit there, and it's just, like, quiet, and I really feel like 
that's where I learned how to be quiet and to just be able to sit and, and be in his presence. And, and that's something that I don't think a lot of teenagers get, especially now. And so I feel really blessed that that was a thing that I got. Yeah. The, that church building, St. Joe's, uh, was just like so impactful to me. Like it was so important to me because it, it represented all the goodness of the church of like a safe place, a place where the Lord reside, a beautiful place. Like I just encountered in just like this really beautiful way, the, the Lord's love through these structures, through these things that have been placed in my life by the structure of the church. Right. And in the same way, like, like confirmation, right. It's part of the kind of the structure. Obviously it was you know, Pentecost, right? (laughs) All these things that I kind of encountered the Lord through were things that were brought about by the church, you know, which was founded by the Lord, right? So, like, Jesus founded these things, and this is how they're passed down is through, you know, through the priest giving absolution and confession, through the monster, through the Eucharist being exposed, and in the monstrance, through um, the priesthood, right? Like, the witness of the priesthood, and I've worked in the church pretty much since I graduated high school, whether volunteer, you know, now I, you know, work for the church, and I continue to be held up by, by the fact that it was founded by Jesus, you know, like, I'm not held up by Someone asked me recently if the scandal was, like, testing my faith. And I was like, listen, you want to be real? Like, if I, if my faith was based on the people in the church, I would have left a long time ago, right? Because while I have encountered just, like, the best people through the church, and really the church has brought the best people into my life, like, I mean... Jesus has, but it's all kind of been in the, within the structure of the church, right? That these friendships would have come about, um, or the traditions of the church, you know? And so, but there's also just like, when you work in the church, you see all of the humanness and all of the brokenness. And, and in that, I think it's just another call from the Lord to say, hey, like, what are you here for? You know, like, are you here for me? Or are you here for the church? You know, and that's not to dismiss or to say that we shouldn't deal with our problems because we definitely should. Um, and I'm all for that. And I'm all for like, let's clean things out. Let's take out some trash. You know what I'm saying? Just like, let's go. I'm all for all of that. But my, what I would hope is that as I live out my life and as I um, continue to do whatever I'm doing, whatever, if it's this podcast or if it's, you know, going to work every day or if it's, um, the work that I do and, or if it's just the way that I, that way that I live, it's, um, I would just hope that that is a witness to why people should stay in the church because, like, it's not worth it, you know, to me to give up all of this for, the sins of men, you know, like, I'm not going to give up the things of God because of the sins of men, and 
yeah, I don't know. I, the, the thing that I kind of keep coming back to is like, it's our job now, especially the laity to witness to the goodness of the church and to show that part of what the part of the church is, is bringing about justice is bringing about, you know, like truth and is it bringing to light things that should be brought to light. Like that's part of the church. That's part of what you know like Jesus Jesus up in here saying you know anything in darkness is going to be brought to light like it, he ain't playing but like that is part of the church and that's and when it's done right when things like this are brought to the light and they're handled the right way by the church like that's can be so healing for people you know the way that I've been cared for by the church like it just has been very healing for me and so I guess what I would say, part of the part of the church is bringing things to light, and part of the church is is helping and healing, right? And part of the church is um, is joyful, like discipleship, and it's living a life that's joyful and free. And you can't be free really outside of the church, and so which sounds ridiculous. <laughs> Um, which sounds contradictory, but it's it's kind of true. Um, and so, yeah, that would be my hope. My hope is that in whatever way I can, my life is some sort of um, witness to the goodness of the Lord, obviously, but also the goodness of the church. Yeah, I just continue to beg for, for mercy. Um, and for truth to be shown. That's my spiel. O blood and water which gushed forth from the heart of Jesus is a fountain of mercy for us. I trust. Amen.